0: I hit the jackpot today, two of my favorite songs, uh, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And then that song, The Eye of the Storm, I have that as my uh, ringtone on my phone. Hey, they're the best, you know, come on. You put that song out there, they'll play it. Hey, in just a moment, I want to encourage you to participate in a uh, stress reducing exercise with me. A Gallup poll found that more than 50% of Americans were stressed out and anxious over either the economy or their personal health issues or both. And if that's true, 50%, then some of you are stressed this morning and I feel like it's my duty to do something about that. So you should have received a pencil. Did you get a pencil? When you came in the yard, if you don't have a pencil, the ushers have plenty left. Uh, raise your hand and get a pencil. Don't take two, because we want to give everybody another pencil on your way up. You have one? Um, read what it says out loud. You think it's a con, don't you? That's right, you have an official. Stress-reducing pencil. Aren't you glad you're here this morning? See, it's okay to watch online, but you're never going to get that online, are you? You're not going to get a pencil like this. So we're going to do a little stress-reducing exercise with our official pencils. On the count of three, if you want to participate, I want you to break your pencil. What'd that pencil ever do to you, huh? So uh, here you go on the count of three. You ready? One, two, three, break. That's a sound I've never heard in church before. The breaking of hundreds of pencils. Now, did that help reduce your stress? Or have you added to your stress because you realize you're too weak to break a pencil? Wouldn't it be great if we're that easy? That you and I could just break a pencil in two and the stress and the anxiety in our life was gone. You see, the truth is, we all struggle with stress and anxiety at some time or other. Stress and anxiety come from worry. And then we read a verse like this from the Apostle Paul. He says, read it with me. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Now, many of us read that verse and it creates more stress. Paul says, don't worry about anything. And we think, come on, Paul. Yeah, that was 2,000 years ago. But I can't do that today. So you begin to worry about the fact that you worry. I believe it's safe to say that most, if not all of us, have experienced the chains of worry. And today I want us to look at one of the more familiar stories of Jesus and his disciples. They're in a small fishing boat on the Sea of Galilee. And the story is going to show us two things. First, we're going to see some of the causes of worry. If you and I are going to break the chains of worry, we have to understand what causes it. And second, we're going to see some of the things that God does to help break the chains of worry in our lives. So here's a story. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was, what is it? So we have this fierce storm that starts to roll in over the water. And the disciples begin to worry. Now realize some of these men were fishermen. They are anxious and stressed out with worry for three reasons. It's a no-brainer, but the first reason is they're stressed out because they're in the middle of a storm. A fierce storm, the Bible says. And the number one reason we worry and become stressed and anxious is because of the problems and storms in our lives. You see, many times when problems and storms come into our lives, they are sudden and they are unexpected. The Sea of Galilee, some of you have been there with me, It's in a natural wind tunnel with small mountains on all sides. And the storms come up suddenly and unexpectedly, not unlike the storms in our lives. Sudden, unexpected. The pandemic was one of life's unexpected storms. We all know people whose lives were seriously disrupted. And in some cases, their lives were destroyed by this storm. Some of you have had unexpected storms in your life. You've had divorce. You've had a job loss resulting in unemployment. You've had the death of a child. You've had serious, serious illness. You've had the death of a spouse. These are the kind of storms that sweep over us and wrap us with chains of worry. The second reason the disciples worried, because they were in a small boat In a big storm. In other words, they worried because they had inadequate resources to make it through the storm. The same thing happens to us. We look at our lives and we think, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough faith. I don't have enough, and you fill in the blank for your own situation, but you don't have enough to make it through the storm. I was thinking, do you think the disciples would have worried if they'd have been on a large cruise liner on the Sea of Galilee? Probably not when you and I feel like we don't have the resources to take on the storm we're in, we default to anxiety and worry. But let me tell you a little secret. We're never going to have enough resources to reduce the storms and worries in our lives to zero. You're never going to have enough. It's absolutely impossible, no matter how many resources you have. Now, there's a third reason the disciples worry. They're in the middle of this furious storm, and they look in the far end of this fishing boat, maybe 15 feet long, and they see a strange phenomena. Jesus is sleeping. Maybe he wasn't like that. That's when they begin to think they are going to face the storm without Jesus being aware of their need. Now, do you ever have that sense like I do sometimes when the storms are raging in your life, that Jesus isn't aware of what's going on? He's out there somewhere. These men are in the middle of a storm, and they're becoming very anxious, and Jesus is sleeping. Can you picture the scene with me? The disciples keep looking over their shoulder at Jesus as the storm gets worse. And they probably think, is he going to wake up? The boat's being tossed about. The water's coming in over the side. And they're getting desperate. And they're probably wondering, now is he going to wake up? You see, I wouldn't put it past a few of them. Maybe Judas, maybe Peter, to go and sort of, Wake up, Jesus. You know, I can almost hear the conversation they might have had. You wake him. Not me. You wake him. I'm not waking him. He might ask me to walk on water. So they keep looking at Jesus, hoping, hoping that he's going to wake up and help them. Maybe you felt that way. going through a storm in your life and the chains of worry are wrapped around your heart, your mind. It's getting worse. And you keep glancing in God's direction. You may do it through prayer. You may do it through Bible reading. You may do it by attending church on Sunday morning. You're glancing His way and you're saying in your heart, Do you see what's going on here, Jesus? Do you care about this storm in my life? Worry grows out of the thought that nobody cares about you and your storm. Have you been there? Have you ever had this thought? Why don't you do something, Jesus? There are times in all of our lives when the winds are blowing, the water's rising, and nothing seems to be getting better. And what we really want to do is ask, Do you see what's happening with my kids, Jesus? Do you see what's happening to my finances, Jesus? Do you see what's happening with my God's job, Jesus? Jesus, do you see that my marriage is falling apart? We ask, and then the question comes, How does God break the chains of worry in our lives? As we progress in our story, we see that the disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. To begin to break the chains of worry in your life, You must ask for help. There comes a time in the storm when it got so bad that the disciples went to Jesus. And they finally woke him. And they asked for help. Well, when was that time? It was when they thought they were going to drown. Why is it that we wait until we think we're going to drown before we ask for help? Why is it that we handle life storms something like this? I can get through this. It's a little tough, but I can get through this. I can get through this. I'm going to die! Why is it that we wait until we think we're going to die before we ask for God's help? We wait too long to ask for his help. And that's one of the lessons in this story. The disciples teach us how important it is to ask for help ASAP. Paul said, The verse that we read previously, I wanted to bring it back. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Meditate for a second on that. I don't know about you, but for me, prayer is the way that I learn to talk to God and ask for help. You might be thinking, well, you know, Pastor David, I've tried that. I've talked to God about this storm in my life. But guess what? I'm still just as worried now as I was before I prayed. Well, let me encourage you, before you give up on prayer, to follow the directions. If I told you that Tylenol would cure a headache, and you took it home, and you put that bottle of Tylenol under your pillow, it couldn't help you because you didn't follow the directions that you've got to take the. Tylenol by mouth. There are some directions for prayer that Paul laid out for us in this verse. He says, Don't worry about anything, instead, pray about everything. So, circle in your mind the word everything. The more things that you pray about, the less worries you have because you have moved those things. From your worry list to God's list through prayer. It's His list now. Tell God what you need. Circle that phrase. Sometimes we go to God in prayer and maybe we've got 30 seconds, maybe we've got more than that, two or three minutes on the way to work right before we go to bed. Whenever you find time to pray. But you never get around to talking to God about what you really need now. You've got this notion that God's got too many bigger things to concern himself with than your little life. He doesn't have time. He really doesn't have enough to care about it. If you're buying into that this morning, it's a lie from Satan. Don't. When my kids were growing up, I loved when they told me everything. And God loves it when you tell him everything. God wants you to pour your heart out to him, tell him what you need, and he wants you to be specific in your asking. Oh God, I need money. Oh God, I need this or that. Get specific. You know what it's going to take to meet that need and to see you through that storm. Get specific. Tell God what you need. Finally, circle the words, thank Him. Thank Him for all He has done. I can't think of anything more important to break the chains of worry in our lives than giving thanks. Thanks. At the end of your prayer, again, 30 seconds, one minute, five minutes. Take time to say something like this. God, I've brought these worries to you. I've got these worries. But before I go, I want to thank you for all the blessings in my life such as, and begin to remember. Now, That may take you a half hour. But if you don't want to give it all, give a few. You see, that time of thanksgiving and remembering your blessings will do more to break the chains of worry than you could ever imagine. I challenge you to thank him for what he's done for you, even in the midst of the storm. To begin to reduce the worry in your life, you must not only ask for help, but you must increase your faith. Am I saying to you that we worry because we don't have enough faith? It's not me saying that. But Jesus is saying that we worry because we don't have enough faith. When he looked at those water-soaked disciples, after they woke him, he said, why do you have so little faith? One of the issues we have to deal with if we're going to decrease worry in our lives is this. We need to increase our faith to decrease our worry. Here Jesus talked again about our faith. He said, God clothes the grass in the field, which is alive today, but tomorrow is thrown into the fire. So you can be even more sure that God will clothe you. And then what's the phrase? Don't have so little faith. In essence, Jesus says the flowering grasses of the field, the wildflowers, no one cares for them. They're just there. But God still cares for them and provides the sun and the water. And because of that, he covers them with their natural beauty anyway. For those of you in this room today who worry about God taking care of you, Jesus says, my son, my daughter, don't have so little faith. Here's a great truth. The same problems and storms that cause our worry can increase our faith. Let that and soak in a minute. What happens when things come into our lives that cause us to realize we don't have enough resources at our disposal and we're not going to make it? We're not going to make it. We're going down. Now that's when we can either choose to say I don't have enough of what it takes to get through this storm and I'm not going to make it, and I'm worried, and I might as well throw in the towel now. Or we can say, this storm, as big and beastly as it is, it's going to cause me to look to God, who does have enough resources to see me through this storm, and because of that one fact Only I can have faith. You know what that means for us? That means those of you who worry can be people of faith. What if you begin to put faith in God in advance? You begin and you start today. You're putting faith in God in advance for those storms ...that you know are coming on your horizon? What if... ...instead of being a person... ...who helps create anxiety... ...and stress in everybody around you... ...because you're worried about the future... ...you become a person... ...who helps create faith... ...in everyone around you... ...because you... ...have faith in the future... Because you know God is in control. If you're a person of worry, there's hope for you. Because you can become one of the people of faith. The same circumstances that create our worry are the circumstances that can create our faith when we decide to trust God with all of our lives. Here's a verse for some of you that have experienced this personally. Luke writes, The seed that fell among the thorny weeds is like those who hear God's teaching, but they let the, what is it? Worries. The riches and pleasures of this life keep them from growing and producing good fruit. Some of you have been to church in the past and you've been challenged and you've been told you can become a person of faith. And I'm telling you that today. But in the past, you've heard that thought. And in your spirit, you said, I'm going to do that. I want that. I want to be a person of faith. But what happened? Before you even left the church parking lot, worries become overwhelming to you. And the faith you wanted just a few minutes ago has vanished. Jesus here says that worries can be like a weed. How many gardeners do we have in the place? You know what a weed is? And those weeds choke off and keep faith from growing in our lives. Worry can keep faith from growing in your life. It wants to choke it off. It wants to kill it. In order to turn this verse around on its head so it can help us, what if we did this? Instead of looking at the storms that choke off our faith, We choose to look to God who can help us overcome that storm. To begin, to throw off... Somebody just woke up back there. To throw off the chains and worry in our lives we must also acknowledge that God is in control. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves and suddenly there was a great, calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man? They asked. Even the winds and the waves obey him. The disciples are worried. They think they're going to die by drowning. They wake Jesus. He gets up and he says, why are you afraid? Why do you have so little faith? He looks out at that raging storm, still doing its thing, and he says, wind, he says, waves, shut up, calm down. And just like that, the storm's over, the water's smooth as glass. The disciples, their mouths probably wide open, their eyes as big as saucers. They ask a strange question. And it is a strange question there at the bottom. Who is this man? And I'm thinking, how sad these men had to ask after all the miracles they had seen Jesus perform, who is this man? Did they forget that they had God in the flesh with them in the boat? They had God in the boat, and they were worried about some waves and some wind. They had God's son, Jesus, with them in the boat. And I think this morning, how amazing that we can have God's son, Jesus, with us in our lives. You see, that's why Jesus Christ came to earth. And many of you already have him with you in your life. You've t- taken that step. You have confessed your sins. You've trusted Jesus to forgive you of those sins. And now you have the sweet promise by way of the Holy Spirit, that you have eternal life. will live forever with Him. When we recognize that God is with us, no matter what size the storm, we can trust His control of everything, and it helps break the chains of worry in our lives. In the Old Testament, we read, Yours is the mighty power and glory and victory and majesty. Can I get an amen? Amen. Everything in the heavens and earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as being, what is it? In control of everything. Not 92%. Not 99.9%. He is in control of everything. There is no problem or storm in your life now or in the future which God does not have control over. It's impossible because He controls everything. When you acknowledge God is in control of everything in your life, that's when you let Him have His rightful place as king of kings and lord of lords over you your family everything including your storms here's what a mother of three said she says it's all about control the less control i have the more i worry can any of you parents relate to that We think we're controlling our world through our worry. Now, here's a definition of craziness that I came across. To think that somehow, if I could control my world enough through worry, then I won't worry anymore. If I worry enough, I won't worry anymore. Again, I've got to give it to you again because this is craziness, and I don't want any of you walking out of this building defined as a crazy To think that somehow if I could control my personal world enough through worry, then I won't worry anymore. You see, the secret to breaking the chains of worry is not you and me trying to be in control of everything. The secret, friends, is living for the one Who is in control of everything? Jesus Christ. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 6, and and he talked earlier about the flowering grass, and we read that verse. And here he talks about birds. He says, Look at the birds. They don't plant, they don't harvest, or gather the harvest into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add a single hour to your life by worrying? Jesus is saying robins and sparrows don't get ulcers. They don't worry. They don't worry because they know innately somehow that God is going to take care of them. Now, if humans worry. We're not as smart as the birds. Because humans see God as some kind of scrooge up in heaven who is stingy. He doesn't want to give us his blessing and doesn't want to provide for us. But these verses tell us how God cares for and provides for the needs of birds that hang out in your backyard. Jesus said that human beings are worth much more to God than any bird. Now I'm going to admit that there have been times in my life that I thought, God, why didn't you answer my prayer sooner? I thought, God, why didn't you meet that prayer need that I had the way I wanted you to? I wanted it to work out this way, God, but it didn't. And I admit that I have those times and have had those times. But I also go to admit that there have been many more times in my life when I've looked at my life over these 70-plus years and I think, God, you are so gracious and good to me. And I think about you and some of the stories you've told me, and I say the same thing. For you. Say, God, you've been so gracious to her. You've been so good to him. And collectively, I could say, God, you were there for us before we even knew we needed you. And God, you have blessed us as a congregation, as a church, as, as individual families and lives. You've blessed us in so many ways. You've given us an abundance of your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness. God, we thank you. When you and I experience God's kindness, when we experience God's loving heart, we begin to see what a generous and good God he is. We don't buy into that lie that he's not good. And when you do that, the chains of worry begin to slowly break and drop away. Now, because the worry issue is also a control issue, here are some verses, and these are verses from Jesus. He wants you to hear and see these today if you struggle with control. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now Jesus here is not saying that we shouldn't plan for the future. Good planning is prudent and wise. He's saying don't try to live in the future. Don't try to live in tomorrow today. Because when you try to live tomorrow and today at the same time, you end up worrying. You don't have enough time, you don't have enough energy today to live in tomorrow at the same time. Jesus said, we are to put God's kingdom first. And then he will take care of everything else we need in life. You can't control the future. But you can recognize the one who does control the future. There are areas of our lives over which we worry the most are probably the same areas that we haven't fully turned over to God's control. We still want to control a portion of it. For example, are you sitting here this morning worried about your finances? Then you might ask yourself, who really is in charge of my money? Is God in charge or am I in charge? Maybe you're here this morning, you're worried about your family, you're worried about your marriage. Well then, maybe you should ask yourself, who is the head of my home? Is God the head of my home or is it me? You're worried about your future, you're worried about your health, you're worried about your finances, you're worried about your family. When you trust God with any and all of those things and put God in control, you will come to realize over time that there are less worries than there were before you put God in control. So where do you start here on July 18, 2021? the official stress-reducing day. Take what's left of your pencil, and by the sound of that, there are a lot of little pieces. Take that pencil home. Put it somewhere. Let it remind you that God wants to break the stress that comes from the chains of worry in your life. And then... After you've done that, and as I said, there are some more pencils in the back. Hopefully everyone will get a whole pencil. But I think it's more appropriate to take the half pencil and let it remind you that on July 18th, 2021, in that service with others who want to do the same thing, I asked God to break stress in my life. And then here's a verse that I have read, and you have too, I'm sure, many times. Very helpful from the Apostle Peter, who was in the boat with Jesus on the Sea of Galilee. Give all your worries. Read it with me. And cares to God, for he cares about you. Lord God, we thank you today that you truly do care about us. Not just from 10 to 11 on Sunday mornings when we're in here. You care about us, Lord, when we go to work tomorrow. You'll care about us when we go to the doctor's office and get a bad report. You care about us when we're told that our child is doing poorly in school. You care about us, Lord, in all the storms of life. And you care about us when there aren't as many storms in life. You care about us because you love us. And Lord, in my heart, I am so grateful today that you have seen me through so much in my life. You love me. You love my friends in this room. Lord, let us cast our cares on you. Let us today take what's been said in these scriptures that have been presented and have you begin to break the chains of worry in our lives. Lord, we want to be set free. We want to be filled with faith, not with worry and fear. And we look to you, Jesus. In your precious name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. I hope you have your communion element with you. If you don't have one, raise your hand and the ushers will bring you one. I told my wife, I said, I'm setting them up for failure today. I give them a pencil and a communion wafer and where are you going to put everything? So I hope you've been able to juggle it all, okay? So if you're like me, I prepare my wafer ahead of time. But I want to read you a passage of scripture that we read quite often on Communion Sunday. And I do enjoy taking communion with you. Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, we can pray with confidence this morning that he will begin the process of breaking the chains of worry in our life. Breaking the fear. Breaking the anxiety and the stress. We live in a very stressful and anxious and fearful time. But God loves us today. And if nothing else proves that to you, it's the crucifixion story and what he did. I have said it before, and I believe it's true, that if you'd have been the only human on the face of the earth, God would have sent Jesus to the cross for you. And in an essence, as far as you're concerned, You were the only human being on the face of the earth because it's a personal relationship. You will not go to heaven based upon the goodness and the graciousness and the Christian life your mother lived or your father lived or your aunt or uncle. You must come to the cross on your own. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 23. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He's coming back. Jesus knew there'd be a group of people at 4719 Seminary Road on July 18th, 2021. He knew we would be gathered here divinely and sovereignly. He knew... We would be taking communion today. He knew our hearts would be turned toward him. He knew we would be remembering him, what he did for us on the cross. So I invite you now to take the wafer which symbolizes and represents the body of Jesus broken for you and let's take it together. And then as we take this grape juice which represents the blood of Jesus shed for you, the Bible says without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sin. Someone once said, well, couldn't Jesus just been hung? No, he had to shed his blood for you. Because as a Passover lamb, his blood was shed. Jesus, being our Passover lamb, died a cruel, horrendous death for us. So let's take and drink together. Lord Jesus, we remember what you did. We've seen depiction of it in movies and pictures, but nothing could be so graphic as what really happened. Lord, you took David Blackburn's sin upon yourself. You took the sin of my friends upon yourself, Lord Jesus. The physical aspect of the crucifixion was terrible enough, but the spiritual aspect, of being separated from your Father because of the sin that you took upon yourself. We thank you, Jesus. There is no other way under heaven whereby we must be saved. We thank you that you saved us by your death, burial, resurrection. And we remember today the extreme sacrifice you made for us. Now as we walk out of this place, Lord, we pray against the enemy, the devil, trying to take away from us the resolve we have today to live in faith for Jesus and to look unto God for all our resources that we need in the storms we face now and forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you. Be here next week.